Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here to talk about the offense from that AFC Championship game loss to the Chiefs. Obviously not the biggest upper of an episode, but here to talk to me about it is Frazier Tafar. Frazier, how you doing? Doing good, Ken. As you mentioned, wasn't the best result. Um, disappointing to be at the game and just see everything happen. Uh, just wishing we had a different outcome, but alas, we're here to break down what happened on offense. Yeah, obviously uh, not what anybody wanted. So always the end of the season is abrupt. Uh, I, I kind of liken it to a, a great craps roll if you ever have one. And, and you know, you, you, particularly if you're one of the people who likes to get a lot of numbers, you you you, you get uh, heavily invested in the role as it progresses. And whenever you do go out, there's a lot on the line. And that's exactly what happened to the Baltimore Ravens here on uh on Sunday afternoon and evening. And, and uh, unfortunately the season is abruptly over here. Um, you know, I think one of the things everybody is pointing to today and yesterday is a lack of commitment to running the football. Yeah. And uh, it was evident after the 17 to seven lead, it felt like a lot in the moment in the game of the AFC championship caliber. I think it, it felt like a lot. So I, I'm not going to say I understand the reasoning behind trying to press to get back in the game, but to abandon it altogether when running the ball was probably the most successful thing we could do all day, I think that was the most disappointing part. Yeah, and the running backs did not shine to a degree that they you know, they should have been gotten the, given the ball a lot. I mean, they had six carries and I think 23 yards in total among the running backs. I may, have, I may be slightly off on that, but it was about that. And then two more carries by um, Flowers for just a handful of yards. Let's make sure we get this right. It's worth worth trying to do this right. So, yeah, six carries for 23 for the running backs, two carries for four for Flowers. The only guy who ran the ball effectively really was Jackson, who had eight for 54. A lot of that was scrambling, obviously. Um you know, in terms of, of the run game, I guess I'd say a couple of things. First of all, the Ravens really it never felt at any point in, in this game like they could afford to squander a possession against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, they weren't playing a team that they, you know, had a big lead over at any point during the game. The Chiefs led the entire way, uh, unless it was tied at zero and seven. But they they built up a fourteen to seven lead, which seemed really large at the time. Yep without being stopped basically yeah and i think the tone was almost set in the beginning of the game when we went three and out i think it was disappointing to see us not even get three points or at least the first down it was a it was a foreshadowing for what was to come the rest of the night i feel like two runs on that drive for, I think, three yards, and then they they had an incomplete on third and seven, so uh, that didn't work out. You know, a lot of the, the times, uh, I, I look at this game, and I, I do think it's a game where they couldn't afford to get behind the chains, you know, and and uh, and have, obviously, behind schedule, off, uh, you know, get into second and nine situations, et cetera. They really did need to, to move the football on first down effectively. It, I, I think that effectively that should take a run pass balance to do it well. 
Uh, I thought there was an option. The, the, the Chiefs were fairly light in this game with the loss of Nadi, who's the 317 pound guy that they is probably their biggest lineman in the, in the middle. Um, Chris Jones might be a little bit heavier, but it's pretty close. Uh, and they, they, otherwise they have some undersized guy, Tershawn Wharton, you know, is in the 290 range. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have some generally some lighter guys that they play up front who could have been pushed around a little bit. Yeah. They tried it in the beginning on the first run, uh, Casey did come out with three down linemen in a three, four look. I mean, it was, they didn't get nothing on that. And then we kind of squandered that possession. And then the second best, that second possession, we did come out and have a good power run with Gus in Q1, 550 on first and 10. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the best run of the day, I think, other than a Lamar run. I think um, it was tough to see. And also the fourth, the fourth and uh, third, fourth and three. That was on the same drive as well. The big hole for Jackson. Yeah. Four, fourth and one, and it was five tight ends on the play. So they had five, yeah. five linemen, five tight ends, and Jackson, uh, and they uh, and they powered through and got the got the first down. But uh, that was that was a really nice. It was nice to see them be able to just run over the Chiefs once like that. And actually, it was a very good very good cutback by Jackson there to find the find the spot to be very patient and wait for his blocks and to get through the second level. It was one of his really good plays of the day. Yeah, unfortunately, he, I, I think if he doesn't dance with a guy and try and mess around with him, trying to fist up on him, there's potential he can keep breaking it. But ultimately, the drive ended in the amazing touchdown to Flowers, so it all worked out in the end. Mute on mute. Yeah, about a four play sequence there was about the about the best the Ravens had the entire game, and that, yep. that culminated with that uh, touchdown to Flowers. Um, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, they, they did make adjustments in the second half and both teams did. And it's kind of, I thought this was a a game that we would see a battle of adjustments a little bit because Spagnuolo is known for doing that in game, Mm. but the chiefs went to a very different approach in the second half from the first, the first half, they, they rushed a lot of extra men. And they think it's not like they completely gave up on that in the second half because they did some of it. But the other thing they did is is really use committed spies and often two on the same play. So they did a fair number of plays with a three man rush and two spies. And that that's a really extreme control Jackson way to look at things. And also it, it forces your offensive linemen to be on their toes and kind of face those spies a lot of the time instead of heavy, helping on, on blocks and getting double teams on the three guys who are rushing. So you can, you, you can end up with a delayed blitz that comes in and, and whatnot. But I thought that was very effective. Um, uh, generally speaking, although the Ravens had a lot of ATS opportunities in the second yep. half. And in fact, I think they had 11 in the fourth quarter. I'm going to count this up really quickly. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's 11. The very first play of the fourth quarter was the end of a drive that there was a pass plus a fumble. Yeah, the the one the going in fumble by um, by Flowers, and that was the first of eleven in the fourth quarter where they had more than a three second pocket. Really shows up in Jackson's time to throw for the game, which was three thirty four. Yeah, I think I had drive nine. I had one, two, three, about three or four ample time and spaces on that drive of the uh, pick that Lamar threw in the end zone. Um, okay, that was the 10th drive. Okay, but there was an NRM minus one in there, so it was a, a kneel. Yeah, that one, I scored it for eight on that drive, eight eight ample time and space on that drive alone, That's which is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no, Lamont had a lot of time that drive, so it was yeah. unfortunate for him to throw that pick in that crucial point of the game. But other than that, I feel like there was time, but we didn't we didn't punish them with the time they gave us. Um, uh, whether it be Lamar not being set with his footwork when receivers are breaking open or timing not be there or whatever the case may be, it just didn't work out on Sunday. Yeah, a lot of the chief strength is at corner. So they're very effective being sticky with receivers. That's that's honestly what that defense does better than anything else. Um, and that's led to a lot of their sack Success. So a lot of the Ravens' scheme on the back end that that helps assist a uh, complementary pressure system up front for the Ravens. Although the Chiefs not dissimilar, they just have a lot of talent at cornerback mm-hmm. that they can they can make work for them, and they certainly did in this game. So uh, you know, hats off to them in terms of what they did defensively in the game. They certainly uh, got it done. Yep. 
solid offensive line performance. No tackle rotation in this game. Roddy Stanley did leave for two plays uh, with maybe a brace problem, maybe an injury. Uh, didn't couldn't tell which, but he was back on the very next series. Um, so anyway, thought he finished the year pretty strong. We'll talk about it, about the offensive line and the scoring in part two. Uh, Frazier and I usually take a, a, our time with that, but uh, you know, in general, I, I thought a good, it wasn't the offensive line that that uh, really let the Ravens' offense down in this game. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, there was occasions where you do get beat. I mean, that that happens sometimes. It's the NFL. I think it was more so the failed blitz pickups that hurt the Ravens. Yeah, in the sense of getting sacks or drive killers. I think. Uh, O-line played pretty good. I wish we would have seen them more in the run game and actually seen them get down and dirty. Yeah. It definitely, those off-man blitzes, odd-man blitzes, extra-man blitzes were a real problem for the Ravens because the Chiefs seemed to match them up with spots where there was not an available block. It's perfect. And, you know, they, they just were very effective, well-timed, and um, just a nightmare to, to just have that happening play after play and Lamar having a lot of difficulty um, dealing with it. They're outsnapped on the game, seventy-three to fifty-seven. Uh, this is a game where you know after the first two drives, when you know obviously things were not going well, the defense really did their part. Uh, I think if you're assigning the blame, offense and defense, it's a little bit of shame maybe that the defense allowed the Chiefs to so easily gain the lead because I think there are problems that accrue from that. But I still say you hold the Chiefs to seventeen points, you got to beat them. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. Uh... I mean, I was in the stands when they went up about 14 to 7. I was wondering, how do we even stop these guys? Because it seemed like we didn't have an answer at the time. But once halftime kicked in, it seemed like we kind of settled in and we figured out exactly what their game plan was. And it was it was understandable to the point where if Kelsey was uncovered, especially in the slot, it's a screen to him. I mean, it was just... At certain points, you knew exactly what was coming, and I'm glad the Ravens keyed in, especially in the crucial point. But uh, when people want to point to the last drive where MVS catches it on Mollett, you really can't put that on the defense at that point. I think they gave the offense enough chances to at least get to a tie game. Or, you know, it's not – you can't put it on the defense. The defense keeps us in every playoff game that I've been alive to see personally. Yeah, they, they did a great job on that particular play, getting pressure on on uh, Mahomes on the play. Pierce did, mm-hmm. and he was just about a half step late, you know, yeah. getting the hand in his face where Mahomes would have a very difficult time getting that ball on target uh, to MVS if it, if it hadn't, in fact, been batted down. But uh, asking a, for a three and out against the Chiefs is you are down to the last refuge of a scoundrel p- prayer to get that done, and uh, uh, it's just not a uh, – uh, it's not a situation you want to put your team in at that point. Uh, and that, that was the offense is doing in that fourth quarter with all their missed opportunities with the, the, you know, if you want to count them up, they had the, the interception in the end zone. They had the fumble going in. They had the, you know, one is on the officials and that's the no holding call unlikely that turned that into a field goal instead of a touchdown potentially. But the truth of the matter was that the Ravens were still going to need to get the ball back. Even if they had gotten their touchdown at that point, they might've had a chance to win but they were still going to have to get the ball back with a three and out. And that's just a, a lot to, uh, to, to handle. They, the defense, also, they also missed their opportunity on the second drive of the third quarter. Um, they were in field goal range. And this is when justice Hill misses blitz pickup and Lamar got sacked and that took him out of field goal range. And we had to punt. That was another opportunity we missed as well. So I counted four, four straight opportunities where we could have scored at least a field goal and we weren't able to definitely extremely frustrating um and you know it's we we did a little exercise on the show last night you can you can do this if you want in terms of in the in the of the five big losses i don't know if i don't know if you've really been a fan for all of them what year do you become a fan oh six okay so anyway you might be then oh so the, the games are oh six um the 11 loss to the patriots in the afc championship the 2019 loss, the 2023 loss, and a missing one. The 2008 AFC Championship loss to the Steelers at Pittsburgh. 
So if you have those five games and you have to rank them in order of of least painful to most painful or most painful to least painful, I guess is the way we're doing it from one to five. Think about that. Maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the show and uh, and how okay. you would do that. Uh, one of the things that showed up in all those games a lot and, and in playoff games in general for the Ravens has been um, interceptions and, and fumbles in the red zone and, and really inside the five-yard line. Uh, if you go back to that 2006 game, McNair had an interception right before halftime mm-hmm. uh, inside the five-yard line. Lamar had the 100-and-whatever-yard interception return that, that really sealed the game. It took a turn to 10-3 game where the Ravens were heading in to tie it yep. into a 17-3 game. The Huntley fumble going in that Hubbard returned for a touchdown. And then, of course, the Flowers fumble that, uh, that the Chiefs bring out to the 20 here. So pretty horrible Baltimore tradition of losing the ball near the goal line. And uh, it does happen. It shouldn't happen that often in, given the number of playoff games the Ravens have played in their history. And uh, and the general success they've had in them. It's, it's really incredible to accumulate four like that in, uh, in, uh, in four losses when you, you only have – what, 13 losses now overall, 17 and 13, I think? Yeah. I mean, so. when you put it in perspective, at least it's not like the Bills where you miss field goals in the Super Bowl and you get there at least, but you miss every opportunity. So I think when you kind of put it in perspective, I think uh, I've kind of disassociated myself from the team since the loss, and I've kind of been able to think of that from more of a level, level head. And this season was this season was great and what we did and the things that we accomplished, of course we fell short, but I think I'm more disappointed and not dying on the Hill that we were on all year. I think being the running team that we came in into the playoffs as we established ourselves in the divisional round as a running team, putting 200 points on the Texans and going against uh, lesser run defense and the Chiefs and not being able to put up a performance. It's just frustrating to see this happen to a great team. It, it is it is pretty remarkable that they they didn't give it a shot. At least, you know, some read options, just go ahead and, and yeah. show that. Even read option handed off, read option handed off, read option boot left, you know, with Lamar. I mean just something some set of plays which is going to keep you in line with the sticks and they uh just did not see that happen and uh and yeah it's 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 certainly frustrating there's been other times by the way in Ravens history where they've given up on the run in the playoffs and I felt like it was the right thing and one of them was in in um Jamal Lewis's 2000 yard season they really gave up on the run against Tennessee in that wild card playoff game in Baltimore and I thought they almost did it too late he had like 17 carries for 38 or something it was a truly lousy rushing performance on the day the offensive line wasn't really looking that good in terms of getting him some level two opportunities and Tennessee was very physical and I felt like you know I, I know it's Anthony Wright at quarterback but they've got to do something that's counter tendency to yeah. to get the ball going so this, this was not like that I, I you know I'm I share the frustration over the over the not sticking with the run let's talk about a little bit more that happened in this game though series success rate is something I look at they went only 16 of 27 when they had a first down getting another first down or touchdown. That ain't going to do it, period. Not against really any team, but it certainly is not going to do it unless you put out just an amazing defensive effort uh, to win a very 13-10 to 10 game or something because th- that's uh, that's not going to get you very many points. Yeah, I think it was, it was evident. Um, like I mentioned, since the beginning of the game, I think going three and out was just we came out flat as a team. And then the defense picked it up, and the offense wasn't able to follow. So you end up with 16 runs and 41 passes. Obviously not ideal. Uh, we need to talk about those passes a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people, there, there, is, there is some talk um, about how the Ravens run to win as opposed to win, win because they Sorry, they they don't win because they run. They run because they win. And that really is true of the Ravens this year. A lot of their, you know, the fact that they're very close to 50% run and pass for the year is a, is a function of the fact that they're winning football games and they're able to still impose their will on a lot of those teams after the game is already right. not in doubt. Um, and a lot of their, you know, piling up the, 
the yards that got them to the Fangio line game after game, which, by the way, they didn't do in this game. It's a playoff game. I'm not even sure if it counts for record ball purposes, but uh, but they didn't they didn't make 100 yards in this game. A lot of the times they've done it, they've done it because they've been piling up yards after the um, game is already not in doubt. They did that against San Francisco, and they did a couple t- couple at least one other time this year uh, where they just barely made it at the at the end of the game. I think the San Francisco game they actually made it on their last run of the game. So uh, that was one of the one of the strange ones. I think one thing we can critique about Munkin is his early game run game. I don't want to say it like a double entendre, but early in the game, it seems like the offense isn't able to get off the line of scrimmage and have the effective runs like they do later in the game. Obviously, that's a product of us scoring and opposing our will, but still being able to run the ball from the get I should think should be an emphasis going into this offseason because that helps us establish the pass like we want to with Lamar. But I mentioned in the matchup show last week that we were going to pass to open up the run. We passed, but we really didn't run. So I think trying to get to that point where running the ball is a true threat in the beginning of the game, I think needs to be the the component in the offseason. Yeah, and my, and mine, of course, for that same show was stay multiple was one of the mm-hmm. most important things. And and Ravens just needed to have both. They needed to have some design runs for Lamar uh, in a game like that against the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs linebackers are fairly well, and safeties for that matter, are fairly well set up to, to take advantage of that. They're, 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 it's still a case where you need to try and, and, um, and punish them. You need to punish them for a, a few things. You need to punish them for looking at Lamar. Yep. If they want to play zone defense against Lamar, well, okay, but you got to then have zone busting plays. You got to you got to have your tight ends sit down in space. You got to have your wide receivers know how to find those spots and stay there. You got to have Lamar and your receivers on the same page in terms of getting the ball to them at that spot. And I don't think the Ravens were able to consistently do that. That's something where um, you know there's there's too much times where Lamar was throwing hurriedly in that first half in particular against trail coverage and not not able to make that work um at times like the, the the very first three and out the third down play was a, yep. a trail coverage play that was a little bit behind the a little bit behind the receiver and and uh got knocked down by the by the trailing cover guy and on that play i think of the, uh one thing i noticed this game lamar got stuck to his first read and i don't know if the coaches mentioned that to him on the sideline once he would miss his first read, he would look at his second read and then try to make something happen. I think it was tough to watch him miss and hold the ball and have to scramble because he wasn't able to be on time. I think uh, that first ball to uh, Aguilar that was missed, if he just waits for a second, he had enough time to look at the backside dig to Zay and he was already at the sticks, and he's beat his guy inside. So yeah. I think the progression of Lamar is not – I think having trust in the offensive line is definitely where it needs to start. There, there is an, another problem going on with that, though. There's a six-man rush on the play. It's not one where you can sit back there and take, oh, read one, read two. Read it's, it's not a play like that. They, the, the play happens too quickly. And so even though the play I, – I, it was ball out quick – we had a block by 43 in the middle. So so Hill was made a block. I don't have it registered as a bad block or anything like that. It didn't turn into a pressure. So it looks like he picked it up uh, f- from what I could have. But it wasn't going to hold up for three seconds either. So he needs to get rid of that ball quickly. That does lead to a lot of first read throws or potentially bailout throws where you know you go to your number one receiver, you know where he is, and you hope he'll catch the ball even on a contested basis. Um it's it's just not an ideal circumstance for throwing it. And, and some of that you got to give the Chiefs the credit for. I mean, they're they're defensive players. They're in particular their three corners, but also the way they schemed up their blitz of so this game was just very effective against Lamar. Yep. Well, let me let's talk about some more detail on Lamar's game here because I think when we get to this, you you realize a couple things about what went right and what went wrong for the Ravens offense on the day. And it didn't all go wrong. Certainly a lot did, but Kansas City rushed five plus. 20 times on 41 plays that, that resulted in a pass or sack. 
So that's 46% of the time. Uh, he was eight for 19 on those throws. There's also one sack, by the way. That was the Omenahu sack early on the strip sack. Yep. Um, three, 3.7 second sack, roughly. Ronnie Stanley held his block for about three and a half of that. Um, unfortunately, it was a case where it just wasn't quite enough. And uh, it, it really, I didn't charge the sack to Stanley because of that. Uh, it's a play where Lamar needs to either move up in the pocket and, and make a throw or he needs to take off. And I think those are the two options there. I don't think that's either case. It was, it was a clean enough pocket that he could have made some yards on the ground, but staying in the pocket and and waiting for things to happen was not was not on the menu. That yep, I agree. And the disappointing part was we were backed up in our end zone, and it looked like we were going to have a good drive coming out with a really good completion to likely to start. But it's just the five-man pressures, especially on the delay blitzes with the plus, I think it's – that was the big part in the game. Uh, as mentioned, the bad blitz, bit, the bad blitz pickups by the running backs was partially the issue in not being able to effectively get the pass pro where it needs to be. Um, and it, when we did ha- have ample time and space, it wasn't like we mentioned. It wasn't like we were making them pay for it either. So no, there were there were. Um... You know, by that time, by the time that they were getting a lot of their ample time space, I'll get to this in a minute. The, the Lamar was already fairly flustered in the game, but um, eight for nineteen for eighty-five net yards with ample time space. That's four point three. I'm sorry, this is a five-plus man rush. Eight for nineteen for eighty-five yards, four point three yards per play with a five-man rush. Um, you got to find a way to do better than that. You got to have a scheme that gets the ball out quickly, that gets you some short completion, that backs the other team off the blitz. Obviously, that's not doing it if if they, if, they, if you can hold Lamar Jackson to 4.3 yards per pass play, um, they will literally blitz you all day yeah. because a lot of that is is when it's happening is is high variance. You know, he's getting some big plays, but he's also taking some losses and whatnot. And defense loves that. They, they will trade some big plays for some losses because variance is required always to get the other team off the field. And the way to look at that is go to an extreme example. If an offense was able to just get their average yards per play on every single play – well, they'd, they'd march right down the field as long as they get over three and a third yards per play. And every every time they'd, they'd score. Um, so it's it should be obvious that variance is required. And this is this is, a, you know, a good example of a, a, a gamble that Kansas City was perfectly happy with. Let's move on. Four man rush. Uh, he was nine of 14 for 141 yards, 8.3 yards per play. Basically, that was where Kansas City was at their weakest was when they rushed four. They still had some problems maintaining lane discipline with four, which led to some of Lamar's scramble plays. So even the 8.3 yards per pass play doesn't really get at all of the problems that accrued to the Chiefs in those circumstances. So they they gave away some extra yards there as well. Yep. And uh, I think the four-man rush was our chance to get back in the game. Um it was just tough not being able to see us capitalize, especially on some of the slot fades that we had to Aguilar or Beckham and just not being able to get the ball close enough where there were some ticky tag holding, holding PI calls that could have been called, but the ball not being relatively close might've been an issue with those. Right. Passes. Certainly was on the interception and the mm-hmm. balls are thrown like that and the and the the front guy makes a play, they're they're generally not gonna throw a, a PI flag, whether or not it was really appropriate. It might not have been either. Yeah. I think I could understand it. But but the, the there's no doubt about the holding call. And and the, the problem with the holding calls is the relativity of the two holding calls. If if you're gonna call Mollette for holding earlier yeah. in the game as it did, which is a complete ticky tack call, um, you gotta call an obvious one like that. Uh, on whoever was covering Likely at the time, I don't remember who it was, whether it was uh, McDuffie or somebody else. But anyway, it was it, it was it was a call that had to be made, and uh, bad uh, bad call in that case. And you know, there were just there were a couple in this game that that really went against the Ravens in that way. The Chiefs point to one in the end zone, which could have been a tripping call for a safety. Um, you know, I think they're, they're, undoubtedly there were some bad calls. There were certainly a lot of holds during the game, yeah. uh, including a big one that didn't get called on Van Noy. Um, and, you know, there's uh, some other stuff that, that we don't need to talk about. But the, the I, I, trying to give you a chance on uh, – give yourself a chance on some holding calls 
is kind of secondary unless you're going to really try and beat the other team for long pass interference plays. And they weren't, they didn't put themselves in a position to do that. I, I completely agree that, you know, when you're, when you're going for that incremental gain on the long pass and you've got the three possibilities, you know, the three true outcomes, if you want to call it that, you've got incomplete, you've got a, uh, a, uh, a completion and you've got a pass interference. There's really an interception is, should be in there too. But generally speaking, you try and throw the ball. So it's one of those three outcomes. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. And you really need to, you really need to make sure you get your share of pass interference calls on those plays um, by, by doing what Flacco and Torrey Smith did so effectively mm-hmm. years ago in terms of having that ball placed out in front of the receiver a fair amount and having the, the, the defensive back get very grabby. I think the one call, if I had to really be mad about, I think it's the OBJ in the end zone. Uh, it might have been... It might have been on the the pick, the pick drive. I think there was contact when OBJ was breaking through onto the corner and right. grabbed his arm. I mean, you just can't do that. I don't know if that's legal, but then OBJ is just going up with one hand. So I don't know what that was about. The ball wasn't, it was close enough because I think the OBJ could have made a play on it if he wasn't impeded. So that was probably the only route and the only play that made me mad from a PI perspective. All right. Well, fair enough. I, 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 in looking at that one, I was not convinced that he would have gotten to the ball anyway. I think the ball was probably uncatchable, but I, I understand the position. There's no doubt about it. He, he, it was very handsy defensive back play, not called. And, and it, it, it seemed like when you look back at the Mallette call early in that game and, and just compare it to the way the game was otherwise called, very frustrating. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, not, not, I'm not saying that was the reason they lost, but it, but it certainly didn't help. Didn't help. Um, at all. Late in the game, the Chiefs went to the three-man rush four times. Um, Lamar was three of four for 25 yards on those plays. So did okay on that, but they, they were using two spies and really guarding all the exits versus Lamar at that point. They did not want Lamar to beat beat them with his legs. And it's an interesting kind of a twist to things. I, I don't I wouldn't say it really worked out for them, but they uh, uh, you know they certainly were showing new looks all the way into the fourth quarter against the Ravens. Yeah, definitely looks they wouldn't show if they were in a tight game. So disappointing to see that. Uh, ample time and space ball, a quick and pressure. Now, we talked about ample time and space a little bit. He had 18 total ample time and space opportunities. That's 44% of the time. It's very close to the highest percentage of the year. I think it might be in 45 or 46 in one game earlier this year. Um, but that's just that's an outrageous amount of ample time and space. Now, normally... When you have a three-second pocket, I'd expect Lamar to go for about 10 yards of throw. Maybe 9 to 10 in that range anywhere is fine. 5.7 is not fine. Yep. And and that's what he had. So uh, just terrible results, frankly. And if you want to talk about how many yards they lost on that, maybe think about 38 times uh, – 3.8 times 18, which is – I mean, just on those on those plays alone, that maybe cost them about 68 yards. If, if I'm looking at that in terms of, of apportioning out where his performance was not up to snuff. The next category is also bad, the ball out quick. Now, ball out quick was important in this game yep. because a fair number of the ball out quicks were about to develop into pressure. So the, there is a subtle distinction there when Joe Burrow is just constantly throwing to the outside because he doesn't have the arm strength to test the Ravens deep. Those are high percentage completions that aren't generally um, taking a chance with the football. Uh, They don't have a high risk of being batted down. I mean, they're just generally are likely going to be complete and likely for not very much yardage. In this case, Lamar had some problems with incompletes. We got, you know, got knocked off. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Off the field by having Chris Jones knock down a pass of just that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, extremely frustrating, obviously, to have that happen. But 3.4 yards per play with the ball out quickly, which which occurred 10 times. Yep. And one of them was an incomplete pass to Justice Hill on the flat. Lamar just yep. put him on the too hot. And I don't know. That was just uh, 
it, it was, they weren't going to get the first down on that play, which was what frustrated me more about it because it was about yep. three yards short of the sticks and the Chiefs defender was bearing down, but still, ugh. I know. And then on top of that, the, I wrote down in my notes, they had trips to the left, like stack trips and more players than they could cover on that side. So I'm not sure why. Back to my point about Lamar locking into his first read and not being able to get back to the other side. I don't know. I know it's hard to be an NFL quarterback, but I don't know. That's all I got to say. You, you got to try and decode that play, yeah. decode that, that bunch formation and find out who's going to, who's going to rub free. It's it. And that was a big part of the chief's game, obviously. And uh, one, I, one of the really bad penalty calls that isn't been talked about is the OPI that they didn't call on Watson when he absolutely shouldered Hamilton off the play. He ran directly up the field, threw his shoulder into Hamilton and kept going um, as if, oh, that's the way the route's supposed to be run. And Hamilton was the guy who had to had to emerge from that bunch formation with coverage of Kelsey. Kelsey mm-hmm. got a big conversion on third down in the fourth quarter. and that uh, Was that the uh, outbreaking uh, route on the rollout? Out, outbreaking left. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I remember trips, that. Trips left. Yeah. That was in the end zone. I was sitting in. I was just, it was like poetry and motion when he threw that. I mean, break left. It was, I couldn't even explain it. It was perfect, but it was just tough to watch at that angle. Um, defensively, they did their job. It was, they had, it was upsetting to see how Kelsey just was not able to be controlled. I, it's almost like we didn't game plan for him all week. So, yeah. I don't know what that was about, but other than that, it was okay. But with the ball out quick, it's disappointing to see that wasn't successful, which was should have been the emphasis of the game. That was my key matchups that I had. And they tried to get to it, and it just wasn't successful. I don't know what – I think this was just one of those scenarios where we just ran into a bad matchup. You got to be able to slow down the blitz. And one thing that the weather did not help the Ravens, despite it being a little rainy, Mm -hmm. it would have helped if it was a little more rainy. Frankly, I think the passing game would have been more effective because um, the footing was still very good for the Chiefs cornerbacks. And usually it's the footing becomes a problem for the defensive players much more than the offensive players who, you know, they're sticking their foot in the ground, making a hard cut. And you're a defensive back. You're making a reactive cut and you have Mm -hmm. to try and and do things. That's where the real opportunities to slip come in. If the field had been a little slicker, it actually would, I think, would have benefited the Ravens. You you don't get weather to order, unfortunately, for the NFL, (laughs) but but it would have been a nice uh, a nice break if the if the weather would have been just a little crappier for the fans end up being a very nice day from my yeah. perspective yeah for football there was just like that little mist in the third quarter but other than that it was nice yeah so anyway let's get to pressure 13 times 32 percent that's not a terrible relationship between pressure and boq and it's certainly when you get 44 percent ample time and space versus 32 percent pressure you treat that trade anytime yeah. um you know that that kind of relationship in in uh, you, you take it anytime. Anyway, Lamar's very effective under pressure in this game, although he's terrible with ATS and BOQ. So um, it's an inverted game. Uh, so you, you know, an inverted yield curve is when the the yields at the uh, er, for er, for lower dated maturities or shorter dated maturities are higher than longer dated maturities, and usually, you know, that's not the way it works. And usually, uh, uh, the yield curve is upward sloping, and then they call that a normal yield curve. But this this was an inverted football game. Uh, you know, you normally don't get as good a result with pressure. Lamar's had a few games like that this year, and it was not an ins- the sample size was not so small. That didn't matter. It was a case of he made some of his really big plays under pressure, and that included the touchdown to Flowers, which was yep. he was initially pressured. Uh, the block got beaten by uh, the the guy who got beaten was Edwards on the yep. play, and then Edwards was a, Lamar scrambled around a little bit. Edwards was able to reset on that same player and got his block made. Gave Lamar time to to make a throw that's right on the money and. Honestly, it's, I was I was having a little trouble deciding whether I wanted to make that ATS or pressure because he almost had a second ATS pocket for mm-hmm. three seconds after the second block by Edwards, and the rest of the line held up held up beautifully on that play. Yeah, and it was good to see Lamar being able to. That's good pocket presence. Him mm-hmm. being able to maneuver and get into the right spot for his defender. I mean, for his blocker to at least exactly. give him a chance. So yeah, exactly, could agree more. Yeah, good for him, but um. 
Uh, Lamar's been good against pressure this year, especially if it's – I mean, there's some times where he audibles and you just know it's a screen. And the one where the ball was batted, bat, batted down by Chris Jones was an instance where it was just – I knew they were running a screen. I think anyone in the stadium should know they're running a screen. I think uh, – I don't know what other type of audibles or motions we can do to not give away that we're going to run the screen against pressure, but – we have to figure it out. Right. The other big play that, that uh, Lamar made under pressure was the 54-yard throw left to Flowers. He escaped an initial pressure from Simpson, mm-hmm. who got beaten pretty badly. I think it was Tershawn Wharton who did it to him that time. Let me just take a quick look here. Yeah, uh, Bull then beaten outside by Wharton. So it, it that was a that was a play where he again reset in the pocket, found a nice place. You know, one of the things about the pressure, some of the pressure they faced in this game when it was only a four man rush or even a five man rush sometimes, is it was only one guy getting through, and there was some opportunity on some of these plays to reset. Usually, one begets many in terms of of pressure by matchup. Mm-hmm. So somebody will try and make up for what's happening, or it'll be the result of a stunt or a twist or something where it creates a jailbreak right away by having to fail, right, uh, right at the line of scrimmage. So you, you, you know you often have that happen, but this this was this was a case where Simpson just missed his block in in a one on one matchup that they probably just designed to, for Wharton to beat Simpson effectively, and then you know it, it he didn't get home, and Lamar stepped away, got the ball off well, and uh, and sure enough. Uh, Flowers had a big play there. And then, of course, he he got up and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Yeah, that was very disappointing <laughs> to see from Zay. I know he's a rookie. I know you're emotional, but uh, yeah. It's it, it, it'll it'll be okay. I mean, honestly, yeah. the, all the things that happened with Flowers this year, there were, there were a number of moments of questionable maturity um, during the season. I, I, I go back to not going down. On the play, he's just got to have better field LA. awareness. In in was that was it against the Rams? Chargers is the Chargers. It's the Chargers. Yep. You're right. Yep, the Chargers in in L.A. and not going down in that play. He scored a touchdown, and you know it didn't didn't end up mattering because the Ravens ended up uh, doing what they had to do to close out the game. But it was you know 100 percent chance to kneel out the game at that point. 100. Yep. percent You do not take the touchdown in that circumstance, and you got to know better. It's it's like uh, you know Roquan Smith has proven he can know better on the field, so he has the right to de- to expect it of everybody else. And next year for Flowers, I mean, a lot of growth and maturity will be needed. And frankly, there's still some growth as a receiver left too. So he had a great rookie year. It's a fantastic place to start. Completely worthy of the first round picks. So don't get me wrong; I'm not bashing Zay Flowers mm. for the year he had. I just I just think there's still there's still more uh, juice to squeeze. Yep, 100%. And I think uh, this is the first time I've seen Zay Flowers not smile. So I think moving forward, we'll start to see him stop being a kid and start becoming an NFL NFL player, a real grown man. And he has the superstar capability. He said it. We've seen it. Um, Eric DaCosta standing behind him during his presser right after the game spoke volumes to me. I think I don't care what anyone says. You can't put this game on Zay. It's more than Zay Flowers at this point. It's a lot of factors that go into losing a football game. So pinning it on a young man that pretty much was the guy at receiver all year next to likely. And that was (laughs) it. So it's you got to give him credit where credit's due. You can't bash him for just one mistake he's not yeah. lee evans i'm not i'm not uh you know i'm certainly not doing that i know you're not accusing me of that it's just a it's yeah, it is an unfortunate set of circumstances and maybe a little bit of a learning moment too he, he, he obviously felt terrible on the sidelines about what had happened mm-hmm. take that into next year and use it man take it into yeah. next year and use it and he's the type of guy to do that so i'm 100 confident this is going to fuel him to the next level and I'm i'm excited to see zay flowers next year I'm excited to see if if Bateman comes back as well. Um, He's not getting the opportunities he deserves, and I'm hoping he can get it in Baltimore before we lose out on that. On that trading, that too. Yes, I mean, I don't, I don't see how they can honestly um, let Bateman go before next year. But they, they won't pick up his fifth year option, and they will pick up Oways, and that's going to kind of hurt him. I think. 
so always is just, a, it's a no brainer. It's, I, I think it's something like 9 million. It's going to end up costing them, but there's no, there's no way they'll, they'll fail to pick up on that, but I don't see how they can pick up Bateman because you know, it's wide receiver money. It's, it's much more significant in terms of the dollars. They could try and resign him yeah. after this year, which I think would not be a bad call, but there's a whole lot of palms out right now in terms of, uh, needing need to get money and also need to replace a number of players who are departing in free agency, whether we like it or not. And also, I don't think Rashad Bateman is willing to take a discount at this point. He's looking to show his potential somewhere in a pass centric offense. That would that would probably be likely, and unfortunately, kind of be a shame also for the Ravens because they'll lose lost out on a really good one and a and a, a draft pick that uh, I don't think you can. Uh, He's been, you know, he's been good at times when he's been on the field, and he certainly, uh, you know, showed up. I think it was his rookie year. He had over ten yards per, yep. per reception or not perception per target rather, um, which was excellent. But uh, you know, he's he's availability has been an issue, and then the other thing has been that that uh, it just has not always seemed to have had Lamar's attention during his three years here. Uh, completion percentage over expectation. That's one of the metrics you'll go out and see on next gen stats. Lamar was 5% below his expectation. Uh, I don't know exactly how they do that, but I think it's based on the receiver relative to the coverage, as opposed to the pressure the quarterback is facing. Uh, but I can't say that for sure, but he was minus five and Mahomes was plus 8%. So that that's not a good combination. (laughs) That will generally lose you a football game. Yeah. And I think, uh, Lamar didn't have that many interceptable balls, but the really bad one was the first play. I mean, uh, the first drive to start the second quarter. or sorry, the second half in the third quarter. Uh, Intended for Zay Flowers, I think Bolton dropped the interception. Left side, yep. That was really the worst throw of the night from Lamar other than the actual pick. Um, What was disappointing about that is that he had Ricard right in his face in front of the flat. And it seemed like he just got flustered in the pocket and not trusting the protection again. And I can understand that with a guy like Chris Jones bearing down on you and you have Simpson blocking for you. But it's it's just those situations where I go back to saying where he was locking in on his first read and the level below that throw, there's someone wide open. I think it's just tough. If you go back to that game at Tennessee, they won in the in the COVID year in 2020. It was Ricard's three completions on the first drive of that third quarter, which gave the Ravens the lead they never surrendered. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was a big part of the offense in that day, and it'd be it'd be nice to see him. At, he wasn't actually on the field all that much in this game, which is another reason why they weren't running the football. Um, if you're looking for chicken egg relationships, but he was only on for 15 plays, so uh, you're you're a lot of Ricard a lot of Ricard's snaps come, of course, when the Ravens already have the lead and are you know running to close out the game but in this case they didn't really they weren't showing run to the um uh chiefs uh with with their personnel package and it it didn't seem like we had any back-breaking calls made it was like one call that i have in mind is uh where ricard is blocking and then he leaks out right in the flat and Mm -hmm. i think that was the seahawks game where he had the big game yep things like that having plays where it's just the defense doesn't know what's coming that keeps the offense going and keeps the defense just wondering what's coming next. And it was just unfortunate to see us be really stale in our offensive play calling. It was to me, it was unfortunate to squander this opportunity the way we did. Yeah. It's, you know, just one famous thing. I forget who exactly has said it. And I think it relates to war and it says, don't, don't give your opponent, um, decisions give them dilemmas where both outcomes are bad, but they but they have to choose one nonetheless. Yep. And the, the the ideal one on, on this play would have been to leak Ricard out in the flat where nobody expects him to be the receiver. They're probably going to not commit a linebacker to that, which is is who has to cover that play. Yep. Uh, it, it obviously would depend on zone or man or whatever. But if they're playing any kind of man coverage, it's going to have to be a linebacker who goes after him to to chase that down. And then that's a guy who you probably are intending to spy Lamar Jackson. So they have to get they're, they're forced into a bad decision either way. That's what you need to do. You know, the the edge defender on a boot faces that same decision every time. Mm-hmm. Go after the quarterback 
or try and defend that level zero receiver. And you know, in that case, they always go after the quarterback and try and create something that'll that'll at least take away the deep ball on that play. But you're forcing them into a decision that that hopefully won't work out for them either way. And uh, and I, the, the Ravens didn't didn't do a lot of that. But you need real tendency breaking uh, plays in order to do that, as as you kind of alluded to there. And it was just wide receiver screens too, no running back screens, tight end screens. So, no, like you said, no multiple, no no multiplicity in the yeah. offense at all. Let's talk a little bit about scheme. Um, uh, Hill thirty nine snaps in this game. Gus nineteen. Cook zero. A lot of people had Dalvin Cook playing in this game. No, no, no snaps for Cook. No pony. No nothing like that. They had zero pony backfields the whole game. By the way, so did, not only did they not use Cook in in, in pony, they didn't use him in anything. Um, but they really leaned on Hill, and part of it was they were obviously passing the football primarily and really wanted Hill's pass blocking in there. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to lie. I think I was one of the fans I was disappointed that Hill was in the game as much as he was. I think you give Dalvin Cook at least a couple of shots, especially later in the game. I, I don't know. There was opportunities where you brought in this Pro Bowl running back for a reason, not just to sit on your bench in the AFC championship game with no touches. I think you got to give him something. Justice Hill was getting beat on the blitzes all night. It's not like he was having a stellar game either. So you got to give a guy like that a shot. I think personally, I don't know if I'd have given a shot to cook, but, but, and I think Hill still gives you some of the explosiveness on offense, but I do understand the frustration of generally Hill not getting it done as a pass blocker. Um, and that being that hurting the team a lot, they they gave Hill some tough decisions to make as a pass blocker here, and Hill was having to go inside or outside. It's definitely not something that Edwards excels at in terms of finding the thing. So very kind of paradoxical who the good pass blocker is of those two, because yeah, Edwards right. is much bigger human being, obviously, and and you would think he'd be the good pass blocker, but it's not true. And part of it is just being decisive and knowing where he has to go for that. And Hill is just much better at at finding that player. Uh, going lower usually on that player, often having a better chance to stand him up than Edwards does, and and uh, uh, making that work. But it's it's uh, you know it's obviously not Hill's night. Mm-hmm. At, at, yeah, but I think when they figured out it wasn't his night, they got to change it and bring a spark plug in or something. I don't think you just play the same hand over and over. I think that's where you get killed, and that's what happened. 14 set blocks and 15 chip blocks on the night. Now that's 0.71. Okay, since they have 41 plays, 29 over 41 is 0.71. That's the 0.71 out of five of your eligible receivers on a per play basis that you're either giving up entirely if they're set blockers or disadvantaging significantly if they're chip blockers because there's only a limited set of routes you can run off that. Uh, Very high. I think it was necessary given the, the amount of blitzes that your chief sent. So I think they were forced basically to, to do it, but they did sacrifice real receiving talent in this case. Hill, obviously, on a fair amount of this, he had six sets and four chips, but also likely one set and seven chips in this game. I mean, you're not getting likely into a regular pattern, getting a chance for him to put his arm up for the football somewhere where the defense isn't expecting him to be, as we've seen how many times this season now? How many times the last seven weeks have we seen that happen? Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, likely finishes the year very strong. Eight games since Andrew's injury, 34 targets, and this includes An- Andrew's return. Um, 372 yards and 10.9 yards per target over that period. That's you know a full season for a lot of tight ends, and that's a remarkable yards per target number in the NFL these days. And certainly in Ravens history, it would be the second highest for a full season to give you an idea of what he's done since, uh, since Andrews was hurt. Yeah, and I'm very please what will likely did this year um uh, yeah i think uh i'm excited to see this offense and what it does with what pieces we have especially with the questions we're going to need to uh, to answer up front with uh zeitler simpson and stanley and uh, honestly moses is that i think everyone but the center is going to be question coming into the year um i don't know i you don't think they're going to replace moses do you i don't think they're going to replace moses this year i think they're probably going to work on 
developing someone in camp like a Falele or someone of, of that nature to be able to take over for right tackle because you can see the wheels are coming off of Moses, I think, personally. I mean, as I've scored it, he's had a pretty effective season, uh, you know, a, a mid to low B range uh, for, for the year now. It's uh, He's certainly outplayed Stanley. And in fact, he's outplayed every other offensive tackle on the team. Falele has, you know, what I've liked about him is he's played better these last four or five games. Uh, and it's been little scraps of snaps here and there. It hasn't been a lot of playing time at any one time, but he's accumulated in the high 90s of snaps. Um and he's he's graded out to almost exactly a, a the middle of the C range or right about a seventy five. Um, that that's a that's such a, a enormous jump. And now he's playing. It really does represent, in my mind, development. Um, and I think they have other good good news to look forward to on the offensive line that we'll get into in the second show. Okay, when we talk a little bit about the offensive line, but um, I do want to talk a little bit more about the tight end situation here before we move on. Mark Andrews only eighteen snaps in this game. If you had the under on Mark Andrews at three and a half um, receptions, you won. I uh, hope you did. I actually recommended it on the radio the other day, <laughs> but but, uh, but I was hoping that that some people picked up on that. They, they ran, um, let's see, they had 57, 58, whatever they had. They had 18 snaps from Andrews, 39 from Likely, and two from Kolar. So basically, they didn't play any two tight end packages. Okay, now I'm not including Ricard in that second, even though... Ricard lines up on the line of scrimmage some. So from that perspective, they had some 12 personnel they ran with Ricard in line. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, I don't want to be misquoted on this. They did run a little bit of 12, but they basically ran 11 and Ricard with an additional running back on some plays wherever he was located, sometimes in the backfield, sometimes, like I said, in line. Yeah, unfortunate to see them not play the matchup game with uh, some of the really best players that we have on the team. I think uh, them not using Duvernay uh, was disappointing, especially on just like get Zay Flowers out of the going back and forth in the motion. Stop using him as that guy. He needs to be the number one dominant guy on the outside. You're wasting his stamina, his energy. I know he's young, just that and the third. There's no reason for it. Get someone who's – we're using three million, four million on this guy to sit on the bench and return kicks. Have them do something else. Okay, so the, that that money is a sunk cost right now for me. But I would say I still want it. I still want what you're saying. Yeah. Because uh, the the motion I want to see from Flowers is motion that forces the defense into dilemmas or gets him a, an easy free release off the line of scrimmage. Because you know if if they're up pressing, okay, that's a great time to get him in motion. It's also a great time to have him at the Z and not the X, so he's off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And you 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 then have an opportunity to uh, uh, you know to have a yard and a half of him juke the other guy into next week and and get free. But one of the most important things for Flowers is just being able to get off the line of scrimmage and get it get out there in space where defenders are then forced to make bad decisions against him. He draws the attention of multiple defenders. That's what we've wanted the whole year. Having him run even orbit motion, I don't like. I, yeah. I but I definitely don't like um, jet motion. Uh, wasn't effective in terms of running the ball because the defense is keyed on on him. It's like Lamar running a boot. It just doesn't end up being as successful as Flacco running a boot because the backside edge defender is always keyed in on that. So I, 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 it's to me, it, it's 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 a counterintuitive play. But if you do want to run that some, go ahead and do it. But just do it with Duvernay. Yeah. You can stick him on the field. I don't even care if you're telling the other team you're going to see jet motion when you put Duvernay out there. If, if oh, 13's on the field, jet motion's coming. Fine. <laughs> it's it's like a read option then it becomes in terms of of maybe it's going to be a jet t- jet pitch maybe it's going to be a, a a handoff and you're going to have to figure it out and if you don't read it correctly on your side of the ball the read going to you 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 might end up with out of position for this versus either Lamar or a running back or some guard moving to level two who, who catches you in the side instead of in the front so it's it's a, a whole lot of whole lot of good things start to happen when you force misdirection on the opponent, but you don't do it with your number one receiver. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that really upset me with the coaching staff was in the divisional game, I think they should have gave on the sweep and not did it in the AFC championship game. I think showing that on film before an important game gives the other team more to think about so they can respect the jet motion even more. 
I think it didn't do anything in this game. And it was evident when we gave it to Zay Flowers and he went for two or three, like mm-hmm. doing that last game would have been beneficial to at least setting us up more for some more big plays and giving us the opportunity to maybe put Devin into that position and have him respect it either way, since we've already ran it in the previous game, if that makes sense. Well, it, it, there was, you know, one of the things that I guess Monken, Monken was talking about his kids saying, why don't you just call the place who maybe it was his daughter, maybe his, just wife. Call what, his wife, why don't you just call the place that work? Yeah. Uh, well, if it were that easy, I'm, I, I'm sure he'd do it. But the Ravens needed more um, easy short yardage early down plays in this game. They needed more four and five yard plays like Mahomes had freaking all day. They mm-hmm. needed to to get the defense a little bit paralyzed in terms of that blitz and get the ball out quickly to some, for some easy tosses and play some Joe Burrow ball uh, against the uh, against the Chiefs who yeah, it's a good defense. They have good cornerbacks. They have good talent to to chase it down. But they're, the Ravens also have some slippery wideouts and and some guys who are uh, can do some blocking. Aguilar is you know has been good and likely has been good in terms of a level two or level three player in terms of making that block. Uh, you know, it's it's something you you want to force on your opponent. Yeah, and I think the one thing that I like about this offense and that I wish we continued to see is the extension of the run game through the pass game. Uh, the biggest one that we had today or uh, on Sunday was second drive of the third quarter, first play, Lamar play action, play action fake rollout right, throws back to Gus left, and that's a quick 14, 15-yard gain. No one's covering it in the flat. I think those those kind of situations where – we create space for just in the past game and just a dump off, like have it scheme it to be that easy and not make it so complicated where if we can't run the ball through the, through the tackle or through the guards, there has to be another way. Like right. we don't have to make it so black and white. And, you know, frankly, that probably was the place to run it. They, you know, they ran that first play wide with Hill and I'm like, come on up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. And, the, and it, that was where they're light. Now, it also may be where they're correcting. And if you did really notice how they were lining up, they were definitely cheating towards the middle of the field um, in terms of those linebackers and being closer to the line of scrimmage than you normally see them. You know, I, I'm used to seeing kind of set-piece linebackers from the Ravens who are a couple of yards off the ball, spread mm-hmm. feet, trying to make their decisions. You saw much more, first of all, because of some of the blitzes, you know, they were they were trying to scheme. They were trying to get into the backfield more quickly. And that may have been why Monken, by the way, was trying to go to the outside a little bit was if you do get outside, you can get a big play if they're if they're rushing five or six on the play and they they can't get it taken care of right at that point. Right. You know, this is very effective against the run. That's you know one of the kind of basic concepts. So uh it's it's a uh you know, anyway, it was it, it didn't work out, obviously, uh in terms of how they called it. Uh, we, we need to uh, shut this down pretty quickly here, but I did want to talk a little bit about wide receiver usage. You saw 52 snaps from Flowers, so he was he was the man for the Ravens, mm-hmm. obviously, in this game. 37 from Bateman, 33 from Aguilar, 34 from Beckham. Obviously, fairly equal usage. Are you at all surprised about Beckham's reduced role in these last few weeks of the season? Yes, very surprised. I don't know what the issue was. Maybe something lingering or... I'm not too sure what the issue was. Uh, I know later in the game, uh, the receivers were tired. They were they were jogging off, trying to get some air, especially near the fourth quarter. Um, they ran a lot of plays, trying to get up up and down the field. But I'm not sure what the issue was with not being able to get Beckham involved. Uh, there was some plays where he had the holding. He had to step on some guys, and Lamar just didn't hit him. I think you can credit some of the issue to, from of, of Odell to Lamar as well of just not being able to get him the ball. Um, so it's been disappointing, to say the least, from Odell. Yeah, kind of a bad finish for Beckham. Seven targets in the postseason for 34 yards. Um, you know, he'd, he'd been a lot better than that during the regular season, which had been one of the really big surprising positives of his year with the Ravens. Uh, wasn't the overall yardage certainly, but but the yards per target was good, and so you you 
if you, if you can't have aggregate productivity, having per snap productivity obviously is good. They got it from a player like Likely. They got some of it from Beckham, particularly in the second half of the year. Uh, would have been nice to, uh, uh, to for him to show up at the postseason like he did a couple of years ago, I guess, for the Rams at this point. Uh, but it just didn't happen. So uh, uh, unfortunate. I would say pretty likely he's played his last snap as a as a Raven. Where are you on that? Yeah, hundred percent. Unless he's willing to take vet men. Vet men, you would. I, I don't think. I don't think he'd be willing to take that. <laughs> but I would see. Anything else I want to say? I think I'm good. Um, Frazier, uh, anything else you want to say before we uh, lock it up here for this first part of the show? Nope, all good. All right, Frazier, always a pleasure doing these with you. I've really enjoyed doing the matchup shows with you this year. I hope that's something we're able to continue in the future uh, and to have you back on this show as often as you'd like to on the uh, uh, to do offense or maybe some defense sometimes. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online or contact you if they want to talk football. You guys can reach me at Twitter slash X at F underscore R-A-V-E-8. That's F underscore Rave 8. All right, other folks out there, it's the off season now. We're looking for content, and I will have some regular uh, series starting up where I'll be looking for uh, contributions from the listeners in terms of historical memories and whatnot. But right now, I'm completely open to all ideas in terms of having a a two or three or four part or or just a single topic you're passionate about. If you're mad as hell about what just happened, I'll talk to you about that. If you want to talk about how things can be better, how the franchise or how the roster should be constructed differently next year, what moves are important to you, uh, we, we'll find a way either to have that be an episode or included in Friday Morning GM, but one or the other. And and uh, I want to talk to you. Hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. People who have gone, been through that process know I'm not uh, I'm not just blowing smoke when I when I will be back very quickly to people about uh, uh, their ideas. Frazier, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big